Welcome to the Culture Classroom, a podcast for teachers and coaches by teachers and coaches. Listen to top leaders, innovators, and influencers share their stories about how intentional culture elevates performance. Now, here are your hosts, John Weaver and John Torrey. Let's get better together. Coaches, does it feel like sometimes all you're doing is copying, pasting, nudging, rearranging, and redrawing your playbooks? Get your time back. Designed by a current NFL coach with the same pain points you have, Pro Quick Draw is an incredibly powerful plugin to improve the playbook software you've already got on your computer, Microsoft PowerPoint. We've created buttons, tools, and shortcuts to save you time, keep you organized, and give your playbook presentations, scout cards, and practice scripts a professional look, and created in half the time. We've got over 25 NFL teams using PQD, and we're giving you a chance to use it too with our new affordable price for high school coaches. Try us for 30 days with no strings attached. You'll get a one-on-one video call with a football coach who speaks your language. Plus, you get to keep everything you make during your trial. Visit www.proquickdraw.com to get an impressive 2022 playbook started. Let's get this party started. All right, JT, it is 2022 and recording episode 80-something, 80-whatever, something crazy. And, uh, man, what a fun 2021 it was. Uh, Just reflecting back, and we're going to do a lot of that in this podcast, give out our one word, um, talk about the the living legend, which was John Madden, and then bring everything back to light, and uh, maybe have a little challenge for our listeners as we start 2022. No, it's great. It's crazy that we're embarking on year four of this adventure. I mean, it's gone fast. It's grown exponentially. And uh, it's pushed me to be a better leader and a more intentional coach. So you're a big part of that. You're a big reason for that development. And our listeners are as well. I really appreciate the connections that I've made with uh, some of the people that are dedicated listeners. Yeah. No, I really struggle with Christmas. It's really hard for me. Um, Not really any reason why, just not, not my thing. And I don't, I dread going to the parties. I dread the presence because enough is never enough in a capitalist American society. Um, and it's really hard when I'm raising three kids under the age of 10 to not make them entitled. But uh, I know Christmas is for kids at the same time and being around family. But with that being said, I really enjoyed the time of year we are right now. In that week between Christmas and New Year's, it gives me a chance to slow down. Uh, I've got wrestling practice, but no school. Uh, I'm able to read a little more. I'm able to think a little more, reflect a little bit more. I I watch the timeline on my social media of people posting what are the favorite books you've read, what are the Mm -hmm. lessons you've learned. It's just a great time to kind of catch up on that and then really frame the mindset for the next year. And I know we've done the one word in the past, but I really like this time of year as we look to 2022. Yeah, it's going to be some interesting things. I think, and we've done this every year we've done the podcast. We go back to our one word and – uh, those are familiar with it. It's John Gordon's one word instead of these New Year's resolutions because I forgot what percentage. It's a very low percentage. When they make New Year's resolutions, they two weeks and then they're done. Um, so sticking to a one word kind of keeps you on track and it helps us. Um, I just want to echo what you said about thanking our listeners and uh, also to you uh, as accountability partner of, hey, we got to record, we got to record, and there's times like, we're so busy with life, but you would give me a phone call like, hey, we need to record this, this, and this. And being intentional with this, being being in four years of doing this uh, is remarkable because 
I just know a lot of other coaches that have started podcasts have hit and missed, and they've done like 30 episodes, or they've done 10 episodes, or they did a year and a half, and they've stopped. Um, so I just want to thank you for your friendship. And uh, once again, listeners out there, we've yet to meet in person. <laughs> we have yet to meet in person. Um, so just, uh, man, I feel like you're a brother that I have in Iowa that uh, has been great. I'm grateful for you and our friendship. And, man, no telling where it's going to go. Uh, just as long, I mean, get Garrison to get me to a clinic and I'll come and speak or whatever. <laughs> no, it's great. And, uh, same to you. And I mean, just, just all the things, I think that leads us into our one word that mm -hmm. you and I've had a lot of conversations here in the last week, week and a half. Um, and the word that sticks out in my mind is to finish. And that sounds weird because I mean, we've got our podcast, like I've got my book out, like. I've written lots of articles for different people. I have sustained relationships. I do a lot for a lot of other people. So in a lot of ways, I'm a finisher. I know you're working on your wide receiver manual right now. Mm -hmm. That's going out to a bunch of people. <laughs> so tomorrow, it sounds kind of or, ironic. Or, or yeah, today. Today, actually, we're going to release this podcast when it's going out. So crunch time. So it might sound weird to say that my word or our word in 2022 is going to be finish. Mm -hmm. But I think with being a finisher and with having a lot of being a sharer, someone who's willing to take on more for other people that really makes me discount myself. Like I don't spend the amount of time that I need to on myself. And uh, the biggest things that make me that have impacted my career in the last 10 years are reading and no, no surprise, no secrets that I read a lot and I make notes and those notes are really important. They're like gold. I can go back and look at my notes and it's like rereading the book again. And then the second one is writing in a journal. And that's the part, Coach Weaver, that I have struggled with. It's almost embarrassing to say that my last journal entry was October of 2020. Wow. Wow. So and you're a big about, journaler. You're a big journaler too. Big journaler. And, and it means once I commit it to my journal, then I feel like it's permanent. But I'm 15 months behind. Now, full disclosure... It's not uncommon for me to be a couple weeks, a month behind when I get really busy, but to be a whole year behind, um, I've got 175 notes in my phone that I need to commit to my journal. And so how do you, how do you eat an elephant? It's easy one bite at a time, but I got to start taking more bites. Yeah. That, that sounds like me. You know, I, I'm not a reader like you, so I'm totally opposite. Um, I listen to podcasts a bunch. Um, I've listened to the Coaches Collective a lot lately with Dan Casey, just just listening a lot, but I don't journal. And uh, maybe that's something I start doing. But my biggest thing when I, when I get into finishing is I'll start, I have a whole bunch of ideas. And they are awesome ideas, right? And I get them going, I get them started, and then it's like the person that runs the mile. It's not lap one, it's not lap two, it's lap three. That they're like, man, this is some tough stuff. And for me, it's like I get to lap three and a half, and it's it's almost cruise control when I don't have the gusto that I had before of finishing it. So, and we tell our kids all the time, right? Start what you finish. You know, you want to start the first quarter as football terminology. You want to start the first quarter strong, and you want to finish the fourth quarter strong. You know, start fast, finish strong. All those words that coaches use all the time. Uh, so for me, it is to start strong and to finish strong. And not necessarily start fast, but to start strong and have a good plan and then to execute that plan. I'm not saying I don't do that now. So I don't want to say like we're we're just like flying by the seat of our pants here. 
but being more intentional with finishing the right way. Well, I think any kind of process driven mindset, there is no finish line, right? Like Mm -hmm. I've been writing in a journal for 17 years now. I'm not done by any means. I won't be done till I can't pick up a pen anymore. And then I'll have to find some other innovative way uh, to get my thoughts out. But there's no finish line. I think that's what makes it hard is how do you finish strong when there is no finish line? Mm, That's a great point. That's so I love that you're on the other end of this podcast. Like you're making my brain stretch a little bit here. Um, like the manual, per se, that's going out today uh, on January 1st is, you know, there's going to be more that I add to it. So obviously if I see a cool drill, I'm going to send it to these coaches. Um, this is just what we do inside of our wide receiver u- unit. But the more we can find stuff and do stuff – and share it with others and i think that's what else we are we're, we're sharers a lot um but I like what you said too like we got to get back to us a lot of times too like when you start pouring into other people you feel like hey if i'm pouring out who's pouring in me right and and then for me it's it's you pour into me and hopefully i pour into you a little bit right but it it's like hey we need time to pour something into us so we can keep sharing but there there has to be that that downtime that that me time uh not a, not from a selfish point of view but just you know get back to like get back to center i guess well it is selfish because when you're sharers you do so much for other people i know there's a lot of people in your family in your house uh in your school that are counting on you there's a lot of people the same way here my wife is counting on me at home on a lot of different levels with our three kids I've got 175 students that are counting on me to bring my best every day. So it's okay to be selfish. And I think we lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. And that's where this time of year is really good because, you know, we get to reflect on that and say, okay, I do need to get back to like carving out a little time for myself in the morning or carving out a little bit of time on a daily basis so that I can take care of myself because a dead battery can't charge another dead battery. That's right. And, and like we say all the time, like just press pause and take a deep breath and like, where do I need to, what do I need to concentrate most on to get myself back to where I can share? And I love what you said there about a dead battery can't charge on its own dead battery. Like, it's just, it's, it's one of those things, man. Like, we got to get back to who we are so we can deliver to other people. Um, so, I'm going to switch gears on you real quick. I know that John Madden was one of, like, your dudes, like, from you reading books um, about the badasses when he was the coach. Um, I want you to share a little bit because you shared it with it a little bit earlier uh, in the day with me. I want you to share about how much Coach Madden mean to you, means to you or meant to you. Yeah, for, for those of you that are just listening or maybe you're listening to this later in time, uh, John Madden died unexpectedly a couple days ago. And, and it just hit me different, Coach. Um, I know – I'm not the only one. There's a lot of reaction around the country, around the world of people. It's filling up my timeline on social media. And I've thoroughly enjoyed going through and seeing a different side Mm -hmm. of one of my heroes is the best way to describe it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we weren't around in the 70s, so I didn't get to watch him coach the Raiders on the sideline. But I've seen all the NFL films. I've read a whole bunch of books from the players, from him, from other biographers, other people that were there and, and could tell the stories. And there isn't another person that has influenced my coaching philosophy as much as John Madden has. 
Yeah, and you know, I, I haven't read all those books. I haven't dove into John Madden. Um, I watched the documentary, and the most I remember about John Madden is Madden, obviously the the video game, and then him calling football games, and you knew it was a big game. When him and Pat Summerall called a game, you knew it was a big game, and he was just that iconic voice that when you heard it, you're like, a good game's on right now. You know, and that's that's the extent of me knowing about John Madden. However, that documentary that I watched last night opened up my eyes to a bunch of different things to who he was and how talented he was, not only as a football coach, but as a businessman, a marketer, a dad. I mean, he was just a total package and was larger than life that had this big personality, but was also very humble. So I think you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, when I think about Madden, he really lived three Hall of Fame careers in one lifetime. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a Hall of Fame head coach who won over 100 games, made the playoffs eight times, never had a losing season, dominated Monday night football like nobody else, you know, with a bunch of misfits and badasses and ragtag guys that no one else wanted on their teams. You know, and then he's the commentator. Then he's the guy that's working with Pat Summerall. And you know, I read a book on Pat Summerall recently, and it talked about how Summerall hated to do, maybe he said he loved it, but I really feel like he hated it, hated to do Super Bowls with John Madden because Madden would sit down with all 53 players from the other team, from both teams. And so, like, Pat Summerall was like, all right, I get interviewing the star receiver. I get interviewing the quarterback. I get interviewing the linebacker. Why do we have to interview the fifth-string wide receiver that's never going to see the field? Why do we have to interview the backup punter? <laughs> and I think John Madden just loved it. And basically what it came down to was John Madden didn't want he and Pat to be uh, surprised by anything that happened during that three hours on that given Sunday. Yeah. That's... So we talk about preparing as a coach, preparing as a, a person who's been around the game their whole life, as a player, as a coach, as a commentator, as a video game analyst. I mean, that's your second Hall of Fame career in the lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and I think the things that make Madden great as a commentator were – and, and I'm watching people who are our age or a little bit younger, and they're posting all these little game clips of him just commentating. You know, it's a boring part of the game, and we're not cutting the commercial, but nothing's really happening. He's going to go talk about this is the daddy cooler, and this is the mama cooler. And look over here, they got the baby cooler. And he gets out the Madden pen, and he starts making the circles. And, and next thing you know, he's like, oh, wait, here comes somebody. Oh, boom, boom, they got something out of the cooler. And, you know, I mean, he's kind of like your crazy uncle or your grandpa that you're like, oh, my gosh, here he goes again. But you can't stop listening. Yeah, and I watched one today um, about him. He was a tele- he was telestrating on a blimp and telling you, like, it was it was tethered and asking Pat Summerall if he knew what tethered meant. Like, you should know what tethered means. Like, what does it mean to be tethered? But then I probably saw a clip. Um, David Letterman, right, had him on, and he was giving – what numbers go with what position? And if you haven't seen that, it is gold. So he goes into like what 83 is supposed to be. Like 63 is a dumpy guard. 70s, 74, 75, 76, there's tackles. And going through this, and uh, David Letterman says something about 77. He goes, what's 77 is a big, huge guy, like tall, big, I mean, huge, great, great player. And he goes on and on and on, and to sum it up, and uh, David Letterman goes, well, what number are you? He goes, I was 77. <laughs> so it just shows the quick wit that he had. Um, 
but it was just a just a larger than life personality that brought brought really I think football to life that will never oh. happen again for decades in ways that no one else had and his third hall of fame career is still happening and i mean even though he's not around anymore his legacy is going to live on for a long time and that's him as a video game guy i remember getting mad in 91 for the sega genesis uh when i was about 10 years old and that changed my life then i had 92 93 94 and so on with different councils and and whatever else um you know, I even write in my book that, like, coaches, when they're playing a video game, you can ask Madden in the video game. Well, you can't do that in real life. Like, uh, we had a, played a game this year where three kids had a concussion and we're down, like, 42 points. We It's only the third quarter, so we got to find a way to limp, limp our way through this game, run up clock. We can't, we can't punt on first down, even though that was probably our best offense. Right. And, I mean, there's nowhere to ask Madden in those situations. No. So – and, and I think the thing is, is that in the days of the NIL, with your name, your image, your likeness, Madden didn't just sell out his name, you know, to EA Sports. He was involved in every part of the creative process so that the game could evolve, get better, and reach a new generation of people. Yeah, and that's so true. Like, I even go back and I think about our offensive plays, speaking about how to make the game real life. There would be times, I think, like five or six years ago, and even kids today probably across the country, a coach puts a play in. Did you get that from Madden? Oh, they run that on Madden. That's what they say. So his name is going to be forever engraved in kids' brains, and as long as Madden, the game is around for whatever. And then I put this tweet out there today, and and it caught a little bit of traction, but you talked about his legacy just a second ago. And it said, if someone remembers me as a coach, they still call me coach. But if they, they know me from the video game, they just call me Madden. And that goes back to who he was as a person. He wanted to be remembered as a coach. That's the only thing he really wanted. The other stuff brought in a ton of money. But he wanted to be remembered as a head coach. So it's really interesting because – you know, Brian Burwell, I'm sitting here with his biography right now of, of the man, the myth, and the legend. And Madden talks about how, you know, when you're growing up, you feel like you're going to play forever. You know, you're going to play for your junior high team. You're going to play for your high school team. You're going to play somewhere in college. You're going to play for the pros. You never think about not playing. Mm-hmm. And then we all know it happened for you. It happened for me. It's happened for every one of our other listeners, or it will happen. You know, the NFL stands for not for long. Right. So – eventually you're not going to be able to get it done. So how do you stay connected to a game that's given so much to you? And that's what Madden was able to do. That's part of his genius. John Madden was able to stay connected his entire life. I mean, he still has the seven-man sled at his house from the Oakland Raiders in his driveway right now. And that should be donated to the Pro Football Hall of Fame if it already has it or if it's not claimed there. They should make their own Madden wing, you know, just as an offshoot to him. But, you know, he used to talk about the, the – he would do bed checks with the Raiders. Like, they would check themselves early into training camp. And every, every player hates training camps. Like, I, we had 22 two-a-days when I was at the 49ers. We don't do two-a-days in the NFL anymore. We had 22 days of two-a-days during camp. It's brutal. It's a long grind. You got preseason games mixed in. Some of them are open practices. You know, you're not getting paid for any of it because you only get paid when you play on Sundays. Some of the other guys that aren't going to make the team, they're going to get a final check later. But you don't get that in the moment. So it's like no one likes going to camp. 
and yet the Raiders would go and they check themselves in early so they could be around each other, you know. And Madden would do bed checks. He'd be kind of wandering around the hotel and uh, the old El Rancho. And then they do the bed checks at 10 o'clock or whatever time bed check was. And then five minutes later, you'd hear everyone sneak down to the parking lot and fire up their cars and go out to the bar. And, you know, Madden, he could have done a lot of different things. He had three rules, and this is part of his coaching genius. It was be on time, pay attention, and play like hell when I tell you to. And as long as you could do those three things, it didn't matter what you did any other day of the week. And especially if you could show up on Sunday, that was all that he really cared about. Um, and that's part of his genius because as a coach, you can get mad. You can take it out on your players. You can be the guy. These are professional athletes. And I know that term has evolved over the last 50 years from when Madden was coaching. But, you know, what do you tell these guys? And so Madden said the best thing I could do when they came back from a long night at the bar was to just have them hit the seven-man sled the next day. <laughs> and so he could never really break up with that coaching side of him like you alluded to there. It still sits in his driveway, and it's like, man, that needs to go right now to Canton so that everyone can, can you know, pay homage to that. Yeah, right when you walk in. Like, have it right as you walk into Canton, and there it is. It's just sitting there. Maybe people can go up and hit the seven-man sled, to, you know, instead of uh, doing certain things like, hey, let me pay tribute to Coach Madden. Let me go hit the seven-man sled seven times. Go hit down like each one of them and hit it. And then you can go in and see the museum. But, uh, man, what a what a tribute. The, 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 the documentary did so many things, I think, for so many people to open up the eyes of who he really was as a humble giant who cared about people, who cared about life, who cared about, you know, the game as much as he did. And I think that's the biggest thing that I take away from it is he impacted the game, JT, so much that, you know, I don't think it'll ever, ever be like that. Now, you have like Joe Buck, you have these names, but you'll never have Pat Summerall, and John Madden. And I think those are two powerful names. I mean, you'll, you'll, if you go back and play like Madden 94, 95, 96, 97, 98, you can hear him when he goes, boom, where'd that truck come from when you get hit real hard, right? But, I mean, that's the thing. Like, those two guys are legends. And then you talk about John Madden. What an icon. I mean, what an icon. Um, so, I, man, I'm with you on that. Like, I even think about the Madden Cruiser, and he, I, I read a little bit more after we talked about he didn't like to fly. He didn't, he didn't mind flying. He was just scared of dying, and he felt real vulnerable. And I can't blame him. I don't like flying either. You know, you're, there, there's, there's a couple of things that happened in his lifetime to aid his fear of flying. Of course, he plays at Cal Poly. And in 1960, Cal Poly had this, had this horrible plane crash. And now he wasn't a player on that team, but he wasn't very far from removed from it. So he knew some people involved on that plane. And I mean, that was really the first sports tragedy that came to airfare. So that didn't help. But he talks about in, in several books about how he doesn't even like going to the movie theaters. Like he's claustrophobic. Mm -hmm. He's a big dude, um, you know? And so it's like, it's just, there's no comfort on an airplane. So why not get a cruiser? 
if you've got the time and the luxury and, and, and I think that's what I like about John Madden is he never lost touch with us, the fans. It doesn't matter if you're a hall of fame player, like Troy Aikman's been tweeting and, and all these other guys. I mean, that's just one that came off to my head, but there are many people tweeting about uh, John Madden and his legacy. So he had, a, he was a couple talking to them as he would be you and I. Yeah. It was just, he was down to earth. And so, Yeah. And, it, and he found that he didn't want to eat at the chain restaurants. You know, when you pull the Madden Cruiser in, it, he'd, he'd find the dive. He'd find the hole in the wall and go have four beers with some guy that probably knows nothing about football. But he could find common ground with that person. And I remember being at three Super Bowls, and you see the Madden Cruiser pull up, and it's got the Outback logo on it. It's got his likeness on it and all this stuff. And you're like, oh, man, Madden's here. And all of a sudden, the anticipation of the game just ratcheted up a little bit more. Yeah, he, he brought that that eagerness. Like, that was just when you notice – it's kind of – I guess you compare it – you can't compare it, so I'll retract that. But it's almost like seeing, like, the Home Depot bus when game day is at a college state. When you don't know that they're there and you're like, oh, game day's here. Same type of atmosphere, but times infinity, right, with John Madden. It's just on a different level. Um, the other person, I think – and you, you named a bunch of – Famous guys, Troy Aikman, Brett Favre. The one that that changed the whole game was Lawrence Taylor, was LT. And the love that he had, and I'll even go into this, not even – I mean, when he talked about Nate Newton and knew Nate Newton's name, and Nate was like, you you know who I am? Like, he said, you played a great game. Like, Nate Newton's like, what, who? I'm just a guard, right? Plays for the Cowboys. He knows who I am, and now I made the All-Madden team. But you go back and you look at LT and how much he changed the game. Like, LT changed the whole dynamic, right? And then in the documentary, you hear him, like, in the background before he even comes and sits in his chair. He's like, what What? What do they want me to do? Like, what do they tell? They want me to do something in the NFL? I ain't doing that. I was on the golf course. Who's it? They, and they want me to do this for John Madden. I'll do it for John Madden. And then my daughter's like, Dad, you going to do this thing for the NFL? I ain't doing anything for the NFL. But then she tells me it's for John Madden. Absolutely, I'm going to do this. That just shows that the yeah, players the players loved him so much that didn't even get coached by him. No, and I think that shows the respect. I mean, uh, it, our kids today would say game respects game, right? Mm-hmm. And you think about LT. Prior to LT's arrival in the NFL in the early 1980s, there was no blindside block. Like you didn't have to worry about blocking the blind side. And then LT comes along and thighs men in his, his leg on Monday Night Football. And I, I mean, oh, oh, now we got to find someone to block 56. Right. So, no, I mean, uh, the, the people that have changed the game, that, that, that have made it what it's become, they all are connected to Madden in some way. Yeah. And, and it's incredible. Uh, the very end of Brian Burwell's book, and, and if you guys haven't read it and you're a Madden fan, or even if you don't know anything about Madden, go out and get it. It's a quick read, but it's so good as far as the insights in it. He talks about how it's kind of poetic the last few pages. He talks about the legacy of Madden, and, of course, he's enshrined in the Hall of Fame, and that was a super important day for him, even though that he really could be enshrined three different times in the same lifetime mm-hmm. for three different things. But it's almost like at the end of the day when the last janitor is locking up and he turns off the lights and everybody's gone and you've got a few quiet hours till the next guest come through Canton the next day, you can hear John Madden talk to every single bust 
around that room. You can hear his voice. You know, um, watching all the different things people have posted in the last couple of days as tributes and as things that they remember and tidbits. There's a 1980 beer commercial for Miller Lite where he kind of bursts through a wall and goes, boom, give me a Miller Lite. <laughs> I feel like that's what his entrance was like to heaven. And you can probably see Ken Stabler at the bar and the snake looks over and is like, here you go, coach. You Come can on. see that in your mind. So I, I don't think any of that is too far stretched, but uh, it's mm-hmm. really good. Uh, in terms of what he's done for the game, it is uncountable. It is exponential, and uh, we'll never have a number because it's going to continue to live on. Yeah, and then I, I just think about, like, I think about our kids um, or even kids that we coach. Like, they will never really experience what a John Madden called game was unless you go and watch the clips, right? He brought so much flavor, so much dynamic to it um, that I'm going to try to educate my kids on his, on who he is. Because, like, I've asked some of them in a group text, like, have you watched All Madden? They're like, what is that? I'm like, we're going to watch that. And we're going to talk about this guy and the legacy. Um, and then I want to bring it back full circle because he's a guy that finished. And he finished well, right? He started strong. He finished strong. Um, and when he set his mind to something, it was going to be the best, just like he was when he was a head coach, just like when he was going to be – a broadcaster. He wasn't going to be just this like, I mean, he didn't know what he was doing, but he went and learned and learned and learned, and he was the best in the game. And then he took a video game that, if you look at Tecmo Bowl, and he made Tecmo Bowl go on steroids pretty much. Mm-hmm. So, and that's kind of what he did. So, everything he started, he finished well. And that's kind of a challenge to us as we look through the lens of John Madden and how he, what's really cool too, JT. I think it's a- what what else is our names are John? That's kind of cool. I just put that. <laughs> well, together. I think it's I think it's a big challenge, and I think you're you're right. Where it's our job now to pass on who John Madden was to our players, to other people around us. So I I know my brother in law. My brother in law is about seven years younger than I am, so he missed all the great things about that I remember, like Nebraska being good. You know, like I remember when Nebraska was unbeatable in Lincoln. <laughs> uh, turns out, last twenty years, that's not really the case, but. Um, we've had a lot of conversations leading up to this Madden documentary and full disclosure, I haven't watched it yet. So my mm. knowledge of Madden comes from me, what I watched firsthand growing up. Uh, and then, you know, what I've read also, and just kind of being a football historian, but there's two quotes that I share with my teams on a regular basis. And whether you think this is okay or not, it doesn't really matter because they're important to me. The first is from John Madden and it's defeat is a bitch. Uh, and I think that hits home to a lot of different coaches because we've been there. Mm-hmm. Like I remember one time we're playing a game against one of our biggest rivals, 26 miles down the road. I don't even refer to them by their school name. It's Harlan. For those of you that know Iowa football, they've won like 14 state championships in Iowa high school history. Uh, I call them that team down South kind of like a reference, a playoff of Michigan, Ohio state. But one time we're up 34 points at halftime and we lose. And How do you come in on that Monday is the closest thing to like experiencing a death within the team without actually having a death in the team. Mm -hmm. And there's no other quote that resonates with all those guys in the room defeats a bitch. The second quote that I share with people and it's from Bill Parcells and not John Madden, but another one of these giant influencers who's had a lot of different roles in the NFL. 
and that's winning is better than sex. And so when I think about those two comments, and they kind of are a paradox of each other, but those are the things that, like, they're humorous, they're funny, but, man, they relate to you. They hit different on so many levels. And so I think you're exactly right. It's our job to let that legacy live on and to breathe new life into what maybe people didn't already know. Yeah. I've, I've experienced that in 2013. Defeat is a bitch. Lost on the last play of the game. However, the other was really good when we won the state championship for the first time. And, uh, man, I, you know, there's a joke that goes around. And uh, after, say, we win a game or whatever, we're walking out. And uh, a lot of our coaches say, I'm going to go and see if my wife likes a winner. <laughs> so. oh, phenomenal. So I just think those are those are things that uh, full circle. I mean, it's about finishing. John Madden's life is finished, but his legacy is not is far from over. Yeah. And uh, these stories, and there are countless stories of the Raiders in the 70s and the things that happened. And I love talking about them, reminiscing. So if you've got Madden stories, hit me up. Uh, if you want to know more about it, hit me up. I'll be glad to share just notes, pages after pages after pages, and uh, all kinds of things. So um, it's about finishing in 2022, Coach Weaver. Absolutely. And uh, with that, we're going to be finished with this podcast for our first one of 2022. So thank you to our listeners for staying with us for four years. we got more content coming so you can help your team grow and be a leader in 2022. Culture Classroom is sponsored by Pro Quick Draw, the dynamic playbook solution for modern coaches. Let technology work for you with time-saving features to eliminate the busy work so you can spend more time coaching. Our subscription comes with starter templates, stencils, and plays for you to begin building your 2022 playbook quickly. Give us a try for 30 days and keep all the templates you make during your trial. That's Pro Quick Draw.